Well, good morning and welcome to Bridgewater. If I have not gotten a chance to meet you yet, my name is Tim and I'm one of the pastors here. And we are so excited that you are here with us this morning. I wonder, have you ever noticed that we are really good at seeing flaws and foolishness in other people? Like we can see their bad decisions and we can sort of see like where it's going before they can. You know, I think that we're also um, aware that, hey, sometimes we have those flaws, but people are really good at seeing them, but we're not so good at seeing them in ourselves. Maybe you have a friend and uh, they've been coming in late to work. And you've noticed that as they come in late to work, it's five minutes, then 10 minutes, then 15 minutes. And this is going on for weeks, and they can't see what's going on, but you can see where this is going, right? Eventually, they're going to have to have a really hard conversation with their boss or maybe even get fired if they don't figure some things out. Or maybe imagine you have a friend, and they've rekindled an old friendship with maybe an old boyfriend or old girlfriend, and this friend happens to be married, and so... You can see where this is going, and they can't see it at all. Or maybe you have a friend, and they've had a drinking problem in the past, but they've been sober for months now, and all of a sudden, they've begun to hang out with some old friends, and now they've begun to go back to the bar with their old friends, but they're, they're just drinking soda, and they can't see where this is headed, but you can. Have you ever been there? You see... You and I, we can see where these things are headed because we are really good at seeing the flaws and foolishness in others. We can see their bad decisions and where they are headed. But if we're honest, other people, they can see them on us and we are not so good at them. So many times we think we are the exception and not the rule. Why is that? Anyways, it's, it's true, unless we start evaluating our habits and choices, unless we learn to stop and ask ourselves a question, if I keep doing this, if I keep doing this, what can I expect? Or maybe a better way of thinking of it, if I keep doing what I'm doing, where is it going to take me? And that's what we're talking about today, our, our choices, specifically our choices regarding entertainment are going to take us somewhere. And so as followers of Jesus, God has called us to be wise. He's called us to follow Jesus. And that's really important because the time is short and the mission is so critical. So if I keep doing what I'm doing, where is it going to take me? That's what we're going to unpack today. So if you have your Bibles, go to Ephesians chapter 5. Ephesians chapter 5, while you're looking for that or pulling that up on your Bible app, let me give you a little bit of the context. Paul is writing this letter to a church in Ephesus, and he's spent the first three chapters really building the case for you have an incredible identity in Jesus, that your identity as a follower of Jesus has been radically transformed. And then chapter 4 is the hinge chapter. He goes from this is who you are to how you ought to live. In fact, one of the themes in Ephesians is if we know who we are, we'll know what to do. And so Ephesians chapter 5, if you don't have a Bible, we'll put it on the screen behind me. I'll start reading in verse 1. Follow God's example, therefore as dearly loved children, and walk in the way of love, 
just as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering and a sacrifice to God. But among you, there must not even be a hint of sexual immorality or of any kind of impurity or of greed because these things are improper for God's holy people. Nor should there be any obscenity, foolish talk, or coarse joking, which are out of place, but rather thanksgiving. Paul is telling the follower of Jesus to imitate or mimic God. And he says, one of the ways I think we ought to imitate is actually a command, is by walking in love. Walking is, is a way of life. That's what they did in the first century. They didn't drive they didn't have Uber. They just walked everywhere. And so Paul is saying, as a way of life, imitate Jesus by walking in love. Well, how did Jesus love us? Jesus loved us by dying on the cross. Jesus died and sacrificed himself. He gave himself up for us. He put us Above himself, he took on all of our sin, and he paid for that. And so he says, there should be a self-sacrificing love. I ought to imitate Jesus by doing that, by being self-sacrificially. And then he uses this word, sexually immoral, which is the word pornea. And a lot of you can probably guess what English word comes out of that. It's ultimately a, a giant junk drawer word for sexual sin. Paul says there shouldn't even be a hint of sexual sin in the follower of Jesus. That if you're walking in love, if you're imitating Jesus, there shouldn't even be a hint of that. And, and the internet is filled with all sorts of, of really good stuff things that I've, I've learned how to fix things in my house. I'm not a really good fix-it kind of guy. So when I need to fix something, I go to YouTube, I look on Google, I've learned new skills, I've learned a ton. But there's so much out there on the internet that's also equally harmful. Heath Lambert says the internet is the crack cocaine of pornography. The internet, it's like a, a firearm. It can be used for our military, it can be Police officers can use firearms. You can use it for self-defense. You can use it for your own personal hunting endeavors. But just like a firearm, if you don't know how to use it, if you're not careful, if you don't put really good parameters around that, the internet can be filled with all sorts of traps and snares that lead us places that we shouldn't be. As a follower of Jesus, when I go on the internet, when I use my phone, when I go on a computer, I need to be aware that there is something on there that is just sucking me in. Did you know that Steve Jobs and Bill Gates didn't allow their kids to have smartphones until they were 14? And it wasn't because they couldn't afford it. Because they knew how addicting this device would be. Because they knew that out there on the internet, it was going to be filled with all sorts of addicting things. So Paul says in verse 3, he says, there shouldn't even be a hint 
of any kind of impurity, not even a, a hint. I'm not sure how big that is, but Paul is saying, step way back from that. And then verse 4, this is what he says. He says, there shouldn't be any obscenity or foolish talk, but rather, instead of all of that, what should there be? Thanksgiving. I find that really fascinating, that Paul is saying, but here's the contrast. Instead of sexual immorality, instead of this foolish talking, we should actually replace that with thankfulness. But just think about that. When you sin in general, what were you thinking about? Typically, we're thinking about pleasing ourselves, right? James says in James 4, we do what we do because we want what we want. We're wanting selfishly to please ourselves. But what are you thinking about when you're thankful? Typically, we're thinking about either God or we're thinking about others or thinking about both of those things. And so if I'm, if I'm being tempted, if I'm being enticed, all of a sudden I'm thinking about me. But Paul says, instead of thinking about me, switch that over and begin thinking about God, begin thinking about others, and begin thinking about how amazingly you have been blessed and start to cultivate gratitude and thankfulness. So think about, I got to replace this sexual immorality with thanksgiving. I should take, take greed and replace that with thankfulness. Greedy lust wants what they don't have. But a thankful heart stops looking at everything it doesn't have. So think about it. When you make poor choices regarding entertainment, whether it's something you're looking at on your phone or an app or maybe a show or a movie, what is it that we're wanting? If I'm being honest and I'm scrolling aimlessly on some app, I'm maybe bored, and I'm looking for entertainment. Or maybe, maybe I've been stressed. It's been, a, it's been a long week. It's been a hard day, and I'm just looking to escape a little bit. Or maybe I'm just looking for pleasure. I'm looking for something to bring me some enjoyment. And Paul says, in, instead of that, instead of seeing everybody or everything out there in the World Wide Web to be my entertainment, be thankful for what you have. Instead of running away from the pressures and the stresses of this world, figure out what do I have? What, what can I be thankful for and replace that? And then Paul says, let me explain. Verse 8, he goes on, he says, for you, the follower of Jesus, you were once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Live as children of light. For the fruit of light consists of all goodness, righteousness, and truth. And find out what pleases the Lord. Have nothing to do with the fruitless deeds of darkness, but rather expose them. So he says, imitate Jesus by walking in love. And now he says, imitate Jesus by walking in light. He says, your identity before you were a follower of Christ was darkness. You were darkness. And then when you placed your faith in Christ, you became light. You went through this radical transformation. 
He says, now you are light. That's who you are. That's your identity. So if we are light, Paul says we should live like we are light. So when you, when you make your entertainment choices, would you describe them as goodness, righteousness, and truth? Or would you describe them as evil, wickedness, and falsehood? Right? It's going to be either those two categories. Give me the next slide real quick. When you think about how I use my, my phone or my computer or the shows, if we were able to take all of your internet activity from this week and pull it out and throw it up on the screen anonymously, would, would that be filled with goodness, righteousness, and truth? Or would we see that it was evil, wicked, and falsehood? Well, well Tim, I wasn't doing anything wicked. I wasn't lying, but... When we watch those shows, when we look at those videos, when we make those choices, those entertainment choices have a worldview, and they're, they're teaching something about life, they're teaching something about our world, they're teaching something about human beings in general. So when I make those choices, I'm either walking in the light or I'm walking in the darkness, Dang, Tim, you're off of my business today. Isn't my internet history my personal problem? Well, like if, if you're a follower of Jesus, he has pulled you out of that darkness and he has radically transformed your identity. You are light. And we ought to live for Jesus, making the best use of that time, knowing that these entertainment choices that we're making, maybe we don't see it now, but it's leading somewhere. Paul says, you ought to discern what pleases God. Look at God's word. Figure out what pleases him. And then he says, expose it. He says, expose what you are looking at, that darkness. Bring it to light. Shine the brightest light possible. Show me this next slide. He says, have nothing, have absolutely nothing to do with fruitless deeds of darkness, but expose them. You and I, we are light. And those things that entice you, those things that, that lead where they shouldn't be leading you or where you shouldn't be going, Paul says, take the biggest spotlight possible and expose them. That you've been hiding them, you've been um, keeping them a secret. Paul says, take them out of the darkness and get it out in the light. Just get it out in front of everything. So whatever you're watching, how are you using your time with the apps or the shows or the images or the games that you play? Is it darkness or light? Then Paul goes on, and he goes on to verse 15, and he says this, be very careful how you live, not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. That you have an opportunity, go back to there, we have an opportunity you have an opportunity to either live as someone who is wise 
or live as a fool? Which do you want to be? I mean, at the end of your day, at the end of your week, at the end of your life, do you want to be characterized as a fool or someone who was wise? Paul says, make the most of every single opportunity you have. Every day you have 1,440 minutes every single day. And if you're like the average American, you sleep around seven, seven and a half hours, you sleep around 440-ish minutes, which leaves you with 1,000 minutes, 1,000 opportunities to either live for the kingdom of self or the kingdom of God. A thousand opportunities to scroll aimlessly on whatever app you're going to. Opportunities to, to watch whatever it is on YouTube or television or whatever movies or whatever games you want to play. Or opportunities to imitate Jesus. Walk in love, walk in light, walk in wisdom. And so he says, therefore, don't be foolish. Don't cozy up to sin. Don't snuggle up with darkness. If Paul was here, he would say, you know, don't scroll to pages of women who are not your wife, but unfollow them. He would say, don't scroll to pages of men who are not your husband, but unfollow them. He would say, don't scroll to internet sites that you know are probably going to lead you to some images or some pictures or some videos you probably shouldn't look at, but delete them or unfollow or, or remove that app. And so here's the first question I want you to think about. What are my entertainment choices building in my life? Those entertainment choices, those thousands of opportunities you have are building and leading you somewhere. Where are they leading you? What are they building into your life? Is what I'm watching helping me or hurting me? Well, Tim, I feel fine. I, I don't think there's any problem. Yeah, but we also have a lot of blind spots, don't we? Is what you're watching helping you become more like Jesus or is it hindering your walk? Is it helping you grow spiritually or is it just sucking the life out of you completely? Paul says something very similar in 1 Corinthians 10. 1 Corinthians 10, he says, I have the right to do anything, you say, but not everything is beneficial. I have the right to do anything, but not everything is constructive. That word beneficial is the idea of being advantageous. I can do whatever I want. I have so many liberties. Tim, I'm an American. You can't tell me what to do. I have freedom of speech I can go wherever I want. As a follower of Christ, I can do a lot of different things. Paul says, okay, but is it actually advantageous? Is what you're doing creating an advantage for you? Or is it creating a disadvantage? Are your entertainment choices constructive? Are they building you up? Are they helping you? Or are they just shallow Sin, me-focused things. So maybe another question to think about is, what am I tolerating that shouldn't be in my life? 
for the last 14 years, I spent those years doing junior high and senior high ministry. And we would take our, our junior hires and our high schools to fall retreats, and we would put our senior high boys in a couple cabins, and we'd put our junior high boys in one cabin. And every now and then, I would have to go in there for some reason. And as soon as I would walk into that cabin, I would be hit with this fog of, like, B.O. and stench. It had a very unique smell, very different than the senior high boys. And I noticed that the leaders I put in there, that they recognized that it kind of smelled bad. But after a while, they just kind of grew accustomed to it. They began to tolerate it. They got used to it. And I don't know how much Axe body spray you'd have to throw on those boys to, to, to cover that up. But here's what I know. If you spend enough time with junior high boys and around that foggy, stank B.O., you'll get used to it. <laughs> if you spend enough time on the Internet looking at things that you probably shouldn't or watching shows or movies that you shouldn't, you'll eventually grow accustomed to it. You'll build a tolerance to it. And so as a follower of Jesus, I need to be asking, what am I tolerating in my life that I shouldn't? And I'm, I'm convinced that if you took a social media break and, and you totally stopped watching shows and movies and all entertainment, you just stopped for like a week. First of all, you'd have some major withdrawal. But second of all, when you re-engage, you'd be like, whoa, I can't believe I'm watching this. This was a show I used to watch. This was a movie I laughed at. I think we're tolerating a lot more than we would admit. And it's hurting us a lot more than we'd like to give it credit for. So you will either be wise or unwise. You will either be light or darkness. You will either be self-sacrificing or you will just be completely selfish. So what's next? What do we do? I think Jesus gives us some really practical advice in Matthew chapter 5. This is what Jesus says. He says, but I tell you that anyone who looks at a woman lustfully has already committed adultery with her in his heart. Meaning, if you're looking at somebody who's not your spouse and you're desiring them in a way that you shouldn't, or you're desiring to do things that really only married people should be doing, even if you are married or not married, Jesus says, you've committed adultery in your heart. That you've committed adultery before God against your spouse or against your future spouse. That's a big deal. That my entertainment choices are far greater than, than we can really imagine. But then he goes on in verse 29, look what he says. He says, if your right eye causes you to stumble, gouge it out and throw it away. That was pretty crazy. It's better for you to lose one part of your body than for your whole body to be thrown into hell. Verse 30, he says, if your right hand causes you to stumble, cut it off and throw it away. It's better for you to lose one part of your body than for your whole body to go into hell. Jesus is saying some really shocking things here. And he's not literally saying start plucking out eyes and cutting off body parts. What he's saying, he's kind of exaggerating to make a point. He's saying, look, 
if there's something in your life and, and you keep giving into that thing and you keep saying yes to temptation in that area, he says, take it and remove it. Just get rid of it. You know, as I was studying for this sermon, I was really convicted. I was really challenged because I'm, I'm guilty of making really bad decisions. I'm really guilty of waking up in the morning and opening up Facebook or Instagram and just like scrolling on meaningless, pointless stuff. I've, I was really convicted this week and this morning as I was reading over my notes and praying, I was thinking about preaching. I, I was convicted. I needed to delete these apps. And so this morning I deleted Facebook and Instagram because I knew I have spent too much time doing meaningless, pointless things, wasting time. And so Jesus says, if something is there and you've been sucked into that, you've been giving in to temptation, you've been sinning, he says, there needs to be some radical amputation. You've got to cut it off and it will hurt. You might kind of start feeling like, oh, I'm having some withdrawal symptoms. Where is my phone? Isn't it? It'll be okay. You will survive. People have survived for thousands of years without any sort of technology. I mean, it's, it's like this. Imagine I get home from church and I walk in and I see there's water all over my kitchen and it's up to my knees and I look over at the, the faucet and water is coming out of the faucet and it's spilling over the counter. I might think, hey, you know what? I should get the shop back out and start sucking this up, which isn't a bad idea, right? But first, the better thing is to what? Go over to the sink, turn off the water. I've got to cut off that source before I deal with all of that problem. And Jesus is saying the same thing. If there's something in your life and you're giving into it, he says, cut it off, cut off that source so that you can begin working on your heart. Same principle. It's not the end-all, be-all solution. But it will give you opportunities to start focusing or refocus or recalibrating on God Last week, I gave you four ways to really do battle in your mind, and, and they really apply to this too. First, it's repent at the heart level. In my thoughts, in my affections, in my choices, I've got to go back to God. God, I have not been thinking on things that are true or pure. God, I've been desiring things that are ungodly. God, I've, I've been making choices that are really bad. And that looks like shining a light on it exposing it, getting it out of the darkness, just getting it out in front. Stop hiding, stop covering it up. It also means radical amputation, getting rid of apps, maybe dumbing down your phone, maybe stop watching television or movies or shows, maybe take a, a digital detox this week and get some accountability. Ask somebody, invite somebody into the conversation but secondly, I need to believe that the grace of God to, to change and be transformed is there for me. That God's grace is available to every single believer. He wants to change you. That's available. 
Third, I need to put off the old and put on the new. In this context, I would say put off sexual immorality or put off greediness or put off lust and put on, he says, thankfulness. Start cultivating thanksgiving and renew your mind. Start thinking on scripture. Start meditating on God's word. If you have a really good ability to memorize it, start memorizing it. Here's the reality. You will look at things you shouldn't look at when you have the desire, when you know you can be anonymous, and when it's available. When you have the desire, when you know you can be anonymous, and when it's available. Tim, I don't know if I can change my desires right now. All right. Stop being anonymous. Get rid of that. Bring people into the conversation. Shine a light on it. Don't make it so available. Cut it off. Remove it so that God can start to change your desires. So, okay, Tim, how do I do this? How do I sort all this out? Here's some practical application. Here's some homework for this week. Give me that next slide. Practice radical amputation. Maybe there's something in your life that you need to cut off. Maybe it's an app. Maybe it's a show. Maybe it's a bunch of decisions you need to make. You just need to cut it off and remove it. Text somebody today. Ask them to hold you accountable. Say, hey, you know what? I've, I've got to get something out in the open. I've been struggling with this, this, and this. I've not been making really good entertainment choices. Will you ask me how I'm doing? We ask me every single day. In fact, I give you full permission to be super annoying. Get up my business. Third, there's a book called Finally Free by Heath Lambert. I think it's the best book on purity. You should buy it. You should invite somebody else to buy it and read it with them and talk about it once a week. If you're struggling in the area of purity, that's one of the best books ever. Next, I would say make a list of 10 to 20 things that you are thankful for. Grow in the area of thankfulness. Start putting off these other desires and put on thankfulness. Pray through that list. Find people to actually express that gratitude. Send a note. Send a text. Tell them, here's why I'm thankful for. Here's what I've seen you do. Thank you. Express that to them. So, We've been going through a series asking for a friend, and we've hit some really tough subjects. And as a church, we've put together some really cool resources for all of you, and we've put those on our website, bridgewater.church forward slash asking. If you're like, I'm not going to type all that in, that's fine. Go to our church website, click on next steps, scroll down, click on asking for a friend resources, and we have a plethora of resources for all of the topics that we've hit over the last few weeks. And so if you want to dive deeper into some of those things, go there, check those out. Those are great. But here's what I want to leave you with. We've we've talked about some really difficult things today, and and maybe God's been working in your heart, and you felt like, I just walked all over your toes today. Here's what Romans 5.20 says. But where sin increased, grace increased all the more. Don't you need that? I need that. Where sin has increased, grace has increased too. So no matter how terrible, 
pornography is, no matter how bad the entertainment choices that you have made, no matter how much trouble you might be in, no matter how weak or flimsy you think the resources are, God's grace is more. God's grace is strong enough to pull you out of that pit. That you are never so deep that the grace of Jesus cannot lift you out. And there is hope for lasting change. In a minute, I'm going to invite our worship team to come back up. And they're going to sing. And as they begin, I'm going to just challenge you. Hey, if God's been working on your heart, if you feel like you've been convicted, they're just going to play through. And I would say, take that first part of that song and just pray, think, reflect. If you need to do business with God, take that time to do that. And then after the first chorus, they'll invite us to stand and we'll join them. And so as you're thinking about that, let me pray with you. God in heaven, we are, we're shocked that you continue to pour out grace every single day. You continue to give us grace and mercy when we need it. And God, I know there's a lot of challenges that we face. We might not even be willing to admit there's some changes that need to happen. And I pray that as you've been working in our hearts, you would help us to run to you, that we would find the grace and mercy that we need in this time. I pray all this in Christ's name. Amen. As Tim said, you can remain seated at this time.